Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. All right, here we go. Primetime Titans. It's JG. And I'm MB, Michael. <laughs> we got Michael back. Uh, it's just the two of us tonight. Um, uh, you know, Michael's just been spitting some truth the last couple times he's been on. And now, I mean, we definitely know some of what he's saying, at least how he's feeling is some truth. And we'll get to that later. But a lot of things Michael's saying, he's things that are playing out are are at least backing up some of his arguments. I'll just give him that. Um, but yeah, so we just want to talk about, obviously, uh, the last episode we had was the Mike Vrabel firing, um, where I clearly was not too happy about it. Michael was elated about it. Um, and since then, we have our head coach, Brian Callahan. Callie, as they call him. What do you think, what do you think about Callie, Michael? I don't know if I'm in yet. I don't know how Callie's going to really resonate with the Tennessee fan base, but as a as a quick one, I think you could do you could do a lot worse. And I, I I'm actually I'm I'm more a fan of Ranahan when yeah. it comes to nicknames. The uh, Ranahan era, I think the that's Ranahan era as opposed to Callie. So, but it's it's kind of it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm wondering if uh, like the players are going to call him Callie, because even in Rand Carthon's uh, introductory press conference, he said Callie, like he didn't even, he mentioned that that's what they call him. And I, maybe he's going to want that. And I, like I said, I don't know how I feel about it, but we're going to stick with the Ranahan era. I really like that. I think Jack Gentry got to give him props there. I believe that was who um, at least tweeted it first. Um, but yeah, so we got Brian Callahan. He's the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I'll give him a little bit of like a little background. I feel like Michael, you might be able to give even more. Um, and obviously I want to hear what you think about it, but I mean, offensive minded head coach, uh, he's going to be calling his own plays. Yes. He didn't call his own plays. The Bengals Zach Taylor did, but Zach Taylor has mentioned how absolutely, uh, important, Brian Callahan was to the offensive game plan. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that can at least lead you to believe that we have gone the right direction. Amy Adams Strunk mentioned in a statement that this is not her father's NFL anymore. NFL is changing and it looks like we're going towards an offensive minded type league to where you want to lock up that head coach. Who's the offensive, you know, the offensive mind. So he obviously fits that mold, and um, I, for one, am I'm I'm really pumped about it. I I, I got to go back and say maybe I overreacted with the Mike Vrabel firing, and like I said, we'll get to that why it's an overreaction. But I, I like it overall. Um, we're gonna get to as well the assistants, uh, at least that we know of that we've hired. But man. I don't know, Michael. I'm sure you're you're excited about it. You probably were anyone but Vrabel at this point, um, but yeah. So my initial thought is like it's the right direction for Will Levis, and I'm excited to see the staff that he continues to build around him. But yeah, I, I want to hear what what your thoughts are, Michael. 
Well, I think you, you brought it up right there is, is the most important person in the Titans, in my opinion, right now, at least for a window in the Super Bowl opening is Will Levis. And really what you want to be able to do is you want to surround him with the, the staff and the game plan and the people to maximize the, the, the quarterback position. So when I look at it, that's why I feel like, you know, with the trend in the league being that these offensive minds and these offensive coaches really being, and, and to, to even look in a little bit and zoom in a little bit on that. Like if you look at the, the past Super Bowl um, participants, it's these offensive teams and really a part of that is, you know, it's it's establishing game plans that put the quarterback in the best position to succeed. It's keeping continuity and the verbiage and the system around that so that you can maximize the potential of the QB. And we know the the real shortcut in roster construction is having a quarterback that is capable on a rookie contract. And that really opens up a window for you. So for this being a crucial offseason for us, that's why I was so adamant of really wanting an offensive coach mainly so that we could maximize Will Levis and we could have that ability to, to really build around him and, and open up a window. So, you know, cut, color me thrilled and, and we'll get into it a little bit more in, later into the episode about how the rest of the coaching carousel happened. But it, it appears the Titans, we really, we knew exactly what we wanted and we pounced and we were one of the first teams that was decisive and hired our, our, our head coach other than, you know, an internal promotion right out the gate. And we knew that that young offensive mind is what we were targeting and that collaboration across the organization was a real emphasis. And it just seems that everything clicked and it was, you know, it was ultimately quick steps that, that brought Callahan here. And I couldn't be happier than, hearing about how the staff and the organization, everything is, is aligned and working. And I think Rand Carthon did a, did a, a, a really fantastic job with Callahan. And, and now what we're seeing with the rest of the assistants coming in place, it seems like there's a real vision and they're, they're actually executing that vision. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you actually said the word vision because I was starting to get to, um, you know, I'm kind of just touching on things that we mentioned in the previous episode when we fired Vrabel. Uh, I had mentioned, I mean, it's a common theme with the previous episode, me being a little frustrated, but I had mentioned how frustrating and kind of confused I was with the Titans vision, um, whether it was, you know, not waiting to trade Vrabel or uh, just not being open and transparent about what the, the vision was. And I think, Looking back, it's I think it's right to say that they didn't want to share the vision just because they didn't really want to, you know, I think there's a combination of they didn't want to just reveal a vision that potentially say they say a certain way that they want the vision to go, and then they find a head coach that blows them away in an interview, and it's different from the vision that they said. And so I think there were things that they held back, and at the time, I was not confident in that vision Uh, or I didn't even think there was a vision. And then you meet, you know, they interview Brian Callahan. They talk about how awesome the interview was. They talk about how the second time they met Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan are just spitting back and forth talking about what they're, they, they said that it was like a conversation um, or Burke Nihill was the one that came out and said it was like a conversation of just talking about how they're going to improve the roster, how they're going to improve the team and move forward. And it started to just, 
like you hear those kinds of things and you start to feel a little better about being a Titans fan and the hire that we made. And you start to just feel better about like being a competent offense, scoring 30 points, um, being, you know, all on the same page, going in the right direction, uh, having some transparency. I mean, that was something with Rabel. You would not get like, you really wouldn't get the, the best transparency. The only time you'd get transparency is when he was just pissed off and he'd let you, you know, he'd, he'd show you that he was pissed off and let you know, and he'd be transparent about that kind of come off in a jerk way about it as well. But I think it's, it's something that like, just curious what you think, um, that vision, like Rand Carthon now is he's in charge of the roster. He's got that. He's got that role. He can do his thing. Brian Callahan can do his and I think it's one of those where like they're they're gonna be able to work together where like a year ago we really had no idea if Carthon and Vrabel were gonna work together. And it was those things where there would be like rumors that they aren't doing well together and you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So ultimately that kinda happened, but um it showed that they weren't really working together. And Rand Carthon kinda mentioned that in his uh phrase. I don't know if you remember what he said. He said like hunting hunting together is not hunting it's like hunting hunting at the same way. time hunting at the same time is not necessarily hunting together yeah that's right. i think is what he said so it i will say over the last couple of weeks i've you know i i got very frustrated and I, and I was mad at first when we fired Vrabel. but there have been some very encouraging steps that we've taken and i, I wonder what you think about that vision and and how you like if you know the direction we're going and I just think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you have more to say to that, but what well, I do I think it's, it's nice. It's telling that we essentially hired the anti Vrabel. We hired a non-player, extremely schematically intelligent, uh, very, it's it w- what appears to be transparent. And, you know, we'll, we'll use that word transparent probably, a lot until you know who knows three years from now it could be could be total right right now we're in the honeymoon phase everything very true all of the things that we're hearing are positive there's there's all of this spin but what i like about it is i like hearing callahan talk and break down offense and scheme and you know it's it's not coaching cliches he's he's talking about actual schematic and actual game plan in a way that is refreshing to hear in the, the, in the way that the NFL is now going. So it's to not have somebody instantly come into a press conference and be combative and, you know, almost talking down to reporters and actually, you know, excited to answer questions. It's, it's amazing that, you know, it, it, it is the anti-variable and sign me up for it because, you know, years of years of going through that, that process with variable is, you know, arrogance works when, when you're winning, you know, winning, winning can, can cover over and cover up a lot of, a lot of annoying things. But when you start losing, boy, those, those grading aspects of a personality or just like the, the way that something's happening can, can really come up and, and sour quickly. And I think that's, that's what we started to see. But I think also the, the, one of the, the reasons I was, I was ready to move on from Vrabel is, you know, I, I firmly believed his coaching pool dried up. I think this past year, especially with the offensive line coach and the, the coordinator hires and everything, it was, it was clear that his, his, 
his available network was getting really shallow. And I don't know if that's self-imposed on, he would only look to people that, you know, that, that he could micromanage and control, or if it really was, that was the the extent of his connections. But I, I had for myself, I think one of the important things that I was looking forward to is an upgrade in positional coaches and an upgrade in the staff in general as a whole. And I think that's ultimately with these hires in, in the, you know, the potential hires, even before we knew it was going to be Callahan. That's what I was most excited about is exposures to these really, you know, championship caliber staffs, staffs that have won championships. And I think what we're seeing with Brian Callahan is, is that coming, coming in, into a reality is that his coaching pool is much deeper. The connections when, especially when you're working together with the general manager, like Carthon is coming from the 49ers and we're, we're seeing that our availability to coaches in the network that we're establishing is much more vast. And that's, you know, and this is when, when we had first started talking about that, you know, we hadn't started to see some of these positional coaches and we're, we're only, we're probably only like 25% of the way there, but yeah. it's, you know, we'll get to it again a little bit later in the episode, but that was the promise that we had really looked for in, in Callahan. And, and that's one thing that, that, um, uh, you know, makes me very excited about the hire. It's not just being offensive minded. It's not just being young, but you know, we talk about, this is a guy at 14 years old. Callahan was sitting in uh quarterback breakdown meetings with John Gruden and um, Rich Gannon uh, when his, when his dad was uh, working on the, the, the Raiders staff. He's mm-hmm. a guy that has absolutely grown up around football. So even saying that he's young, it's, it's, it's not true. He's had exposure to the league that, you know, people just dream of in terms of the years that he's been around and, and operationally and whatnot. So I think everybody's got to call plays at some point for the first time. And I think one of the insights that he kind of gave us and we have now seen in terms of different press pieces with Zach Taylor and the Bengals is that the play calling process isn't a winner take all process. It's a conversation that stems from the game plan that's created each week and they're in constant conversation. And that gives us a little bit of insight into how Cali and our CM already calling him Cali right there. Yeah, I there you go. Maybe it works. Uh, but it gives us a little bit of insight into what that's going to be. They're they're looking for collaborators, and they don't specifically want to be this. You know, again, going back to the anti-Rabel, they don't want this dictator that's just you know lording over everything in terms of the operations of the team. So it's very promising to me. They're not going to be stubborn either, because what you were saying about the you know. Uh, I don't, I can't remember the exact phrasing used, but kind of like all hands on deck uh, type thing with the offense. Um, you said it's not a winner take all. That was it. Yeah. Um, it. There have been examples and things that have come out about, you know, Bengals may have struggled and Burrow had, you know, they, they wanted to talk to Burrow about ways they could, they could change ways they could uh, switch up some stuff. And so obviously, you know, we don't know if Will Levis is a Joe Burrow. I can't say at all right now that he is. I don't know if he ever would be. But you would hope at least like they could they would cater to Will Levis. They would cater to Will Levis' strengths. And not only Will Levis, but you know, Tajay Spears, uh, other players on the offense, you know, they can talk about it and other offensive um coaches that Brian Callahan brings in. So I think that I think there's a lot to be excited about. 
with Brian Callahan. And it's, it's definitely refreshing coming from the Vrabel style as a head coach. Now, um, final thought just on Brian Callahan. I am going to, I'm going to wrap up my thought on the Brian Callahan hire with this. I'm going to compare it back a few years ago uh, to when the Vols hired Josh Heupel. Um, I, at the time, did not love it because I thought Danny White was just bringing over his guy he knew from UCF. But at the end of the day, even at that time when we hired Josh Heupel, I thought to myself, okay, well, at this point, we've hired him. We'll give him a chance. Let's see what he does. I have no idea if it's a good or bad hire. In this instance right now with Brian Callahan, my answer to like everyone asking me what I think about it, how I feel, my answer is basically it's the right direction. I think it's the right call for what we should do for Will Levis and shaping around a team around him. But at the end of the day, we have no idea. Like you said, in three years, we're talking about this transparency. And then in three years from now, we could be like, I don't want all this transparency. I don't want to hear all this crappy stuff. There is a part of me that is scared that, you know, I've been hurt before my balls battered syndrome or whatever. I want to love it, but there is a part of me that at the end of the day, we don't know how it's going to be. We do not. Of um, course. So that's it, my final thought. Like we've done it. I like the direction. That's it. Let's see what he's got and let's see what, and you know, continue to hire these assistant coaches and these, you know, put it together a staff. I'm liking that direction. So, I'm trying, I don't know about you, Michael, but I'm, I'm trying not to be too like, I'm trying not to be too over the moon and get too confident. Yeah, so that's kind of my last final thought on Brian Kelly. I think the hardest thing for Titans fans right now is going to be exhibiting a little bit of patience. Yes. Um, even when Zach Taylor and that staff took over the Bengals, of course they were, you know, when they took over, they were the worst team in the league, which is gave them the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow. But, you know, Will Levis is not Joe Burrow. DeAndre Hopkins is not Jamar Chase. Traylon Burks is certainly not T. Higgins. Yeah. You know, there is, he could, hey, we don't know. He could. Traylon Burks could be the Jamar Chase. You know, it's it, <laughs> and honestly, that we're looking at this and maybe as when we get into the positional coaches, there are a lot of questions that I think we as Titans fans were conditioned to say and blame on the general manager in terms of, um, talent acquisition. And one of the greatest things that is going to be, you know, a, a absolute obsession of mine, this, this upcoming year is going to be examining if it is nature versus nurture. And if these players really were just being completely mismanaged and miscoached and we needed, you know, a different approach because we're really going to start finding out if we actually have talent and some of these question marks that we had kind of written off. And that's from the offensive line. You know, we have Dylan Radins and Nicholas Petit Frere to wide receivers. We have Traylon Burks and we have Kyle Phillips. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not focusing as much on the defensive side because, um, and that's probably a little bit unfair, but I do feel like like we're going to lose a top defensive line coach that has done really well for us. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been one of the, I think in the last episode, I said that was, that was one position that we were actually developing players. So I'm sad that we're going to miss Terrell, uh, Terrell Williams. Um, but yeah, across the board in the offense, I'm really excited to see if some of these investments are going to pan out. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see, you know, a lot of these, you know, quote unquote busts uh, or question mark busts if, if they actually start producing. So 
that's something a subplot in, inside of all of this. Hey, at this point, who knows? Caleb Farley could make a comeback and be something. I don't mean, don't count your blessings, or I don't even know what phrase I should use there. But well, I'm just saying. A little spoiler alert for people for a little bit later in the episode, but the <laughs> Titans' new defensive coordinator is also one of the top defensive back coaches in the entire league. Absolutely. If anybody that's going to finally get something out of Caleb Farley or be able to see whether or not he, he can, A, get on the field, B, play, it's it's going to be that man. So definitely get some answers, and that's what I'm very excited about. But I think you know we've, we've, we've established a little bit of what we've got in, in terms of our excitement and expectations for Callahan. And just to wrap up that thought of the, the patience is I, I, I even think this immediate year, I expect us to be a better team. I expect us to have a better win loss record, but in noting that, you know, Levis isn't Burrow and our offensive pieces aren't the same. I think the most important thing is I'm not expecting the, uh, I'm not expecting our offense to be the Bengals offense. And I think that's, mm-hmm a fallacy for Titans fans to expect that what I expect is our coaches to maximize our talent and put our talent in the best position to succeed. So I think that looks different than what the Bengals offense has looked at looked like. Yeah. And I think that's fair. And I, I would agree with uh, the excitement coming up of like, just seeing how this new coaching staff handles the, the team that we've had the last few years with Vrabel. Um, but speaking of Vrabel and just like Callahan, let's kind of shift to thinking about Brian Callahan, not just, you know, what he is and how excited we are for him, but just uh, kind of comparing him to all the other coaches that have been hired in this cycle. Because at this point, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but all the other teams that had head coaching vacancies are filled now, correct? The coaching carousel is finished in the NFL, and it, yeah. it did not turn out how – we were expecting it to turn out. Oh, we, I, I made predictions and I, I literally yeah. got one right and it was Harbaugh to the chargers. Yeah. The, we, in the last episode, I believe we both agreed that we thought Bobby Slowick, we we're very excited about Bobby Slowick being a head coaching opportunity. And it's very clear that he's not ready. Mm-hmm. He went into interviews and I think he, Bobby Slowick was, was in the uh, Arthur blank, the Atlanta Falcons owners house doing an in-person interview and within 45 minutes of that interview ending, the Falcons announced their new head coach, which was not Bobby Slowick. So I think it's pretty clear, pretty clear, and you know that young, great offensive mind, and he's going to be a real pain for us as the Texans' offensive coordinator. And that team now is our benchmark and our biggest. That is our biggest strategic piece that we have to figure out how to become better than is the Texans. Because they have all the advantages that we have, but they have a head jump on all of it than us in terms of their coaching staff, in terms of their quarterback and CJ yeah. Stroud. That's really who our target is from this point forward. It's not necessarily how we beat Mahomes and the Chiefs or Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. It's going to be the Texans. But if you look uh, and the uh, on the other side of that, we had these great presumptions that Ben Johnson was going to be the top coaching candidate. And the way that this drama has played out, and maybe it's Ben Johnson completely misplayed it. Maybe the Washington Commanders misplayed it. But Ben Johnson's also going back to the lines as an offensive coordinator, which kind of blows my mind. I I thought like I thought he was even going to get a head coaching opportunity last year. So then when he didn't get it last year, I was like, okay, well this year he's one hundred percent going to be a head coach and me saying that too is not even like a uh you know 
a crazy prediction. I think everyone thought that. Um, me saying that is not like, oh, wow, very good prediction of you, John. No, everyone thought that. I think, and and this is me looking into local DC gossip and rumors a little bit. And and if there's a couple of national people, Adam Schefter in particular, was after the first interview, the first virtual interview with Ben Johnson, there were two people, two national people that really come out and they were like, let's hold the brakes on this. Ben Johnson is a lock at Washington and Shefty was one of them. And I think what that immediately told you is he did not interview well when, in whatever mm-hmm. that first interview is. And there's been other people that have kind of alluded to the fact that the Washington commanders probably did think that was going to be their plan all along. But then the guy completely bombs his interview. He supposedly is, is notoriously introverted and, you know, apparently, and we have no idea if this is cover from the commanders or not, but apparently he wanted to be the highest paid coach in the league, but that's an easy out for the commanders to, see that the entire league and media and fan base thought this was going to be their person. And they, you know, once they did the interview process and were like, this isn't the guy they needed to do some damage control. And that's an easy way to do damage control. Say like, ah, he wanted to be, you know, the highest paid coach or whatever. Well, and and they're the, they were the last ones to get the head coach. They just got Dan Quinn. And I I don't know about you. I'd rather have Brian Callahan than Dan Quinn. Oh man. I, well, uh, across the board, lo- if you look at the way the league's going, I would rather have a young, offensive-minded head coach than any retread defense or bright defensive minds. It's just we we saw it in the playoffs already happen. These bright defensive minds, Dan Quinn himself and Jim Schwartz with the the Browns, they they were they were outplayed and, and out schemed. And Mike McDonald at the Ravens, yeah, I would say Mike McDonald did a great job. Like. They had some interesting schemes, and and I mean they held the Chiefs to seventeen points, but still they got I mean they lost they got outplayed. So yeah, across the board, if you were to that's if in, in looking at this whole co- coaching carousel, and I guess we should just quickly go through uh, the New England Patriots uh, hired within uh, Drod Mayo, the VFL for life. life. Um, he's now their head coach, and the Las Vegas Raiders hired within Antonio Pierce. Chargers, what everybody knew was going to happen. Jim Harbaugh left uh, left college football and is now yep. the, the head coach of the Chargers. Good luck to him. It's going to be <laughs> they're they're already in cap hell. I'm so curious uh, yeah. to see how yeah. he does there. Um, going down the list, um, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, who did they Who did they get? Raheem Morris, defense uh, coordinator yeah. from the from the Rams. Yeah, that's right. So Raheem Morris is going to the Falcons defensive minded coach. Dan Quinn's going to the commanders last coach hired defensive minded coach. Mike McDonald's going to the, the Seahawks in Seattle, a defensive minded coach. And uh, what am I missing here? I feel like I'm missing. I think, I mean, I think that's, that's it. Uh, Let's see. Seahawks commanders. I mean, Titans obviously with Callahan. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's it. Oh, uh, Carolina. Uh, oh, that's the Panthers and Dan Canales. I think yeah. that's a. I actually, I kind of like that for them. I think he's a he's a he's a solid one. Yeah, I'm. Uh, so that would basically be the other offensive minded coach that we can mm-hmm. compare against, right? So, out of the two, give me Brian Callahan and kudos to Amy and kudos to Rand for 
jumping out the gate the second they could and not letting their guy leave the building because it actually, it kind of is interesting, Michael, that, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I was one of these people. Um, It's interesting how a lot of the complaints that Titans fans had with firing Vrabel, like feeling like, you know, or or complaints or just worries, like worried that we were going to hire someone too quick, worried that we, you know, gave up Vrabel for nothing. Worried that um, we were gonna, you know, ultimately pick someone that we didn't, you know, couldn't explain a vision. All those things were basically answered. Like getting Brian Kelly, you know, worried that we wouldn't get Ben Johnson, and you know, miss out on the best one. Ben Johnson didn't go anywhere. So it really is interesting how we. I mean, I, I you know, I said and, when I was pissed that I hope I'm wrong, and I still. What'd you say? I was going to say, consider it a blessing that Ben Johnson turned us down for an interview. I, yes. I, I've been for two years. I've been saying Ben Johnson's been our guy, but you know what? For as, as brilliant uh, of a play caller and mind he is, you know, it's, it's, it seems like maybe the guy is not interviewing well. And after this past experience with Vrabel, then it's like, well, thank you for, thank you for exiting the conversation because I think that would have muddied the waters in the decision-making for us. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think you gotta applaud Amy Adams, Strunk, Rand Carthon, Chad Brinker, and anyone else a part of the head coaching search. Um, it turned out to, I think, work out at least like we said for, you know, liking the direction we're going. And that also, you know, I, th- I think compared to the rest of the league and the, and the hirings, like you said, Dave Canales is kind of the only other really offensive minded guy. I think, I mean, Antonio Pierce, I know he played defense, so he'd be a defensive minded guy. Gerard Mayo would be defensive minded. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh is kind of your like, you know, I, I said it last time. Harbaugh would have been my number one. I would have wanted Harbaugh, but at the same time, the kind of team that we had in the direction we maybe needed to go Harbaugh wouldn't be the guy like chargers is Harbaugh's perfect for the chargers with having Herbert already having a pretty good roster. I know you said they're in cap hell. I, I think you could argue that is a better one. And I think people are kind of there. The Brian Callahan hire is not a sexy hire, I think. And I think that's what the media is saying, but also the media hates Tennessee. They hate the Titans. I think at the end of the day, you could argue looking back, it could end up being the best hire in this cycle, which is kind of crazy because I, I know you didn't like Vrabel as much. He might've been the best hire in his cycle, but they were also really bad coaches that were hired in that cycle. Um, so yeah, I think Harbaugh would have been a non-starter because he wanted full control and the charges are going to give them. And it's clear that we were ready to move away from a, you know, a dictator in yep. inside of that. Yeah. But I do think we have to touch on this and we have to note it. Inside of this entire coaching carousel, you know, the national media was screaming at us that we were stupid for firing Mike Vrabel and that, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to instantly get a job. The man I said it. Him. I said he it. Got, I'll admit it. I said it. We got one virtual interview with the Atlanta Falcons, and, and this is a rumor, but and apparently in that virtual interview, it's it maybe the first time it would have ever happened in the league, but he pitched Arthur Smith coming back to the Falcons after they had fired him as head coach as being the offensive coordinator, which just throws a magnifying. Is that an actual rumor? 
Is that, that is, actually, oh yeah, that is a real oh rumor. My gosh. From, and that's and it's not like some fringe Twitter. It's from Sports Illustrated. Oh uh, it's it would be absolutely it, that just puts a magnifying glass on the fact that one of the weaknesses that you could identify from Vrabel is that he doesn't have deep staff connections. If he really goes into that meeting and pitches that you're like, Oh, this guy has no connections. There's just, there's just nothing, nothing there, but it tells you. So Mike Vrabel jobless in 2024. Yeah. Bill Belichick jobless in 2024. Pete Carroll. Um, I th- that I think one makes clear. a little more sense. But. We have clearly seen a shift and I was trying to have this generational conversation with somebody the other day we have seen a shift of what we assumed or associated with the patriots way the patriots way is dead it's completely dead that is it no longer exists in any form inside of the nfl and i think that's a generational shift as well because i do think younger players are starting to at least to what what i'm seeing are starting to adhere more to the gen z mindset of these young 20s something players that are coming out. And I think you're seeing the way that uh, players and staffs are developing teams is, is seeing that shift. And I think that that Patriots way is now has now gone and and is is a previous generation. It's gone now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about Brian Callahan, just what we liked about him overall, just as a, as a head coach, what he brings talked about him, from the standpoint of all the other head coaches that have been hired. Now let's talk about how big the hire could be, not just because of what Brian Callahan brings himself, but what he can bring with him. And let's start with just the order of events that had happened last night. We had found out that we got Denard Wilson. Uh, He is that he was the DB coach, correct at the Ravens defensive backs coach. And the reason why it's so big that we ended up with him, one, that he's just a, he was just a great candidate. Two, the Ravens, Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, like we said, just went to the Seahawks. So everyone was thinking, all right, well, they're just going to hire from within and promote Denard Wilson to the defensive coordinator. They did hire within, but they went Zach Orr because we snagged Denard Wilson from them. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he has been like, he was the DB coach at the Eagles the year they went to the Super Bowl, so a couple years ago. He was the defensive backs coach for the Ravens last year. And the last two years, both of those teams, respectively, have been the best passing defense in the NFL. Is that, is, am I thinking right? Eagles were number one when Denard was there, and then the Ravens technically as a pass defense were number three. Okay, uh, so You could argue that uh, in other metrics, the, his uh, secondary led. But yeah, his his lineage comes, or I don't know if it's lineage or tutelage. Um, sorry, grammar world in uh, in the podcast. Uh, I have to look that up. But basically, he he comes from background of our very own Greg Williams, and then mm-hmm. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, um, and what he did into and he's he has been noted throughout the league for years as being somebody that had been tapped and ready and i think that the biggest thing the biggest thing that i that i've heard in terms of um uh sorry i'm you good give a sec popular um, man yeah. we got a we got a popular uh, man on the podcast um are those your league sources giving you some info? Looking at Denard Wilson and somebody saying a nice thing about him is that Darius Slay came out um, 
and basically said that the Eagles made a mistake in not naming Denard Wilson their defensive coordinator after his stellar season where they went to the Super Bowl. And the Eagles ended up winding, going in another direction, which is what gave him, uh, led him to the Ravens. But another friend pointed this out to me recently, and I think it's true. I think the reason Denard Wilson came to the Titans is Rand Carthon, who's leading the coaching search we know now, and Callahan probably are giving him full autonomy in the defense and saying, you're not just another cog in this machine. Like, it's your baby. Go, oh, yeah. go lead it. And I think if and- you're a person that's really wanting to move up, that's... It has to be appealing. Don't Carthon and Denard Wilson have some sort of connection? I thought I saw something that they had maybe worked together at a team in the 2000s or something like that. I feel like I saw something that they had some sort of connection. Um, and that was another, you know, another big play in, in getting him and being able to snag him. Yeah, I don't know I if I saw that. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Carthon connection, not a Callahan connection. Gotcha. Um, so that's massive. And I think the biggest thing, like I said about it was, it was kind of just assumed that he was going to be the defensive coordinator in Baltimore, but you know what happens when you assume next, the wide receiver coach, we found out this morning, I think it was today. Tyke Tolbert is the next receivers coach comes from the bears right now. Currently correct. I believe so. And I mean, he coached DJ Moore this past year. He has a great track record of coaching some pretty dang good receivers. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's a great hire. Um, I don't know if you have anything on Tyke Tolbert, Michael. Yeah, if you're looking at it, anybody that's a 20-year veteran has a positional coach in the league and that has worked with multiple staffs and is still highly regarded you ha- you have to give any coach that's that's gone through that a lot of credit in terms of it so i'm you know i do i intimately know anything about the wide receivers coach no what i wanted was somebody that was qualified for the job and he's clearly qualified for the job and i think that absolutely comparisons of the staff that just left versus the staff that's coming in um it seems like the there's going to be a mixture of young new ideas. Obviously, Callahan's first year calling plays. Denard Wilson's going to be first year calling plays. And if anybody wants to nitpick the way that the staff is coming, that's where, that's where the focus is going to be. Right? We have two first year play callers, so 100% they're going to they're going to make mistakes. Um, you know, there's it's it's just inevitable with, with with how it goes. What what'll be interesting is we really are in a three year window. It's like I'm more than happy for them to take their lumps in year one, more than mm-hmm. happy for them to show progress and take some lumps in year two. But really year three is where we need to be targeting and, and going for. So we want to see progress, but yeah, as a, as a, as a wide receivers coach, having that experience and breaking down film and having that experience in terms of operating within the offense, you got to say that's a plus for, uh, for Callahan. And I think and I, I'm, st- I'm parroting this from somebody from Twitter, but it, it's, it's pretty telling in terms of our candidates for the offensive coordinator job, which have not been announced yet that a wide receiver coach was announced before the offensive coordinator, because there's no way you would hire a wide receivers coach before your quote unquote offensive coordinator, unless you knew that that offensive coordinator was going to be run focused, which the number one candidate, it seems rumors wise, is uh, Studesville 
and I could be butchering that pronunciation from uh, the the run game coordinator from the Miami Dolphins, yep. which seems like that's probably going to be our offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's what uh, I've seen a few things that it's kind of the direction it's looking like it's going. And I think so. The, and the last one here, which actually happened about an hour and a half or so before recording, we're recording on a Thursday night. So by the time you listen, we could already have an offensive coordinator. We could have more coaches. I think the, the, the thing that was getting a little worrisome was some time had gone by, you know, we hadn't heard anything about coaches being hired. We lose Terrell Williams. Uh, we, well, we lost Terrell Williams after hiring the defensive coordinator, but Terrell Williams, like we said, he's the defensive line coach that we loved and potentially wanted to stay. Um, started losing some offensive play or offensive coaches uh, to the jets. I know, or to, you know, the bears potentially, which, you know, I think we're okay with that happening, but it was just the fact that nothing was really going on. Nothing was really happening. We didn't know what was going on with anyone being hired. We get Denard Wilson, Tyke Tolbert, and then we get the massive bombshell, like I said, about an hour and a half before recording that, and this was one of the biggest things with Brian Callahan that you potentially were going to get is his father, Bill Callahan, who is basically known as the best offensive line coach in the league. And he's been at the Browns. Uh, he's been kind of all over the place, uh, long coaching career. He's phenomenal. He's coming to the Titans. And there were, I think there was like concern that potentially Browns weren't going to let him go. Uh, they couldn't just, you know, they would have had to let him go for him to be able to come here unless we were going to promote him to offensive coordinator or something like that. But basically all of that doesn't matter anymore because we got him. And we got Bill Callahan and that is like that potentially that in itself could be good enough to get when you hire Brian Callahan as the coach. I mean, that, yeah. that is I mean, massive. It can't massive. be, it, it can't be overstated enough. Bill Callahan coming over and Bill Callahan is the offensive line coach of the Cleveland Browns. I believe it was reported makes $3.4 million as an offensive line coach, which is ridiculous. Um, he hey, is man. the best offensive line coach in the league. Um, and for him to come over and already have obviously a relationship and not only a relationship, but I think sometimes I think the, the assumption is as coaches get older and older and older, they, they lose the, 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 the motivation and the desire to win. You know, that guy's going to be wanting to get his, his son a, a Super Bowl. I think it's, it's just showing a lot of all in, but it's also showing, the rest of you know these hires, and I'm waiting with bated breath of seeing. But it, I mean, talk about an upgrade in terms of the number one positional coach upgrade that the Titans needed desperately, and what a home run that is. I mean, another another you know, absolutely complete, strong direction into you know developing and making sure Will Levis is okay and healthy and better just overall. I, I mean, it's like massive. I really didn't, I, it, as time was going on, I started to think that that just wasn't going to happen. And I kind of was just settling, which would be a fine settle, but kind of was settling for Mike Munchak to make his return to the Titans um, and not the head coach, obviously yet offensive line coach, which still would have been great, but Bill Callahan's even better. So I think, I mean, continue uh, things continue to happen that make me excited and make me like legitimately pumped that we've gone this direction. And I don't think that two weeks ago, me 
would think that that was even possible with how I was, I was feeling at the time. Uh, and I needed people like you, Michael, to talk me off the cliff that one night, uh, and make me feel a little better about firing Vrabel. Um, so, I mean, it, it's massive. And, and I mean, I think the momentum that we're getting is ex- it's like exciting to see what continues to happen and what people we are going to hire to this staff. I think it's just, um, I think, it's big. You mentioned this. The patience is going to be massive. You know, we we're not going to see just immediate success. If we do, it's going to be awesome. But we need to, you know, give the coaching staff and give these guys some time. Like you said, both sides of the ball, first time play callers. But it at least is like some promising news that we're getting as Titans fans. Well, and this this ripples the Bill Callahan ripple. This might change our draft strategy. You know, our, 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 the Titans previous offensive line coach, and I can never pronounce his last name, J- Hodling, Hodling, or whatever. Yeah. He, he got a job as an assistant offensive line coach with the Bears. That tells you something. No one else in the league other than Mike Vrabel <laughs> thinks this guy is an offensive line coach. Was not so good. I can't tell you how I feel undercoached our offensive line has been for the past two years. I think Keith Carter's decline into Jason's, uh, you know, debacle that we saw on the field this past year. It's quite possible that between Dylan Radens and Nicholas Petit Frere, we don't feel the need to go left tackle at number one. And knowing Callahan coming from the Bengals is saying, you know what? Because the Bengals very famously chose Jamar Chase in, in a decision between tackle and wide receiver. They chose wide receiver. They chose Jamar Chase. So we may be in a position if Malik Neighbors is there, we go Malik Neighbors and it completely changes and we do a second round offensive tackle. But it adds, and if they do that, the only way that I would feel comfortable with that is if you would have told me that Bill Callahan was our offensive line coach. And here we are. He's offensive line coach, I would say, <laughs> you know what? Go for it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, golly, that, those are the kind of things that are making me excited. And those are the kind of things that we will get to for sure this off season and just talking about, you know, draft prep and all that stuff. But man, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think this has been fun to talk about Brian Callahan. I think it's, you know, it kind of just overall, I think the direction, uh, we took just in the way we talked about Brian Callahan, just with, with who he is as a coach, what he brings, um, comparing him to the rest of the NFL and the head coaching carousel, which you said it to me before, but a really exciting carousel that that happened. You know, there were plenty of options. There were big names, like we like we just said, guys like Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, and uh, Pete Carroll are not head coaches in the NFL anymore. And I would say even two years ago to say that would be crazy. Um, so I think it's fun to think about Brian Callahan in that aspect. And it's also fun to think about and keep thinking and, and, you know, keep wondering where we go with the assistant coaches and who he's bringing in Bill Callahan, Denard Wilson. I, I think it's, it's an exciting time and it at least, I hope that Titans fans are feeling a little better about this decision and, you know, maybe we can have a little more confidence. I'm talking to myself about Amy Adams, Strunk, Rand Carthon and, and, now Brian Callahan, the direction we're going. I think it's great. Well, I think to close it out, and we should do this as through each step of the process, we're not done with the staff. It's pre-draft, pre-free agency. 
What are your expectations for the Titans next year? Uh, in terms of just like record or record goals, achievements, what do you, do you think? Do you think division? Uh, do you think playoffs? Do you think winning record? What's your, what's your baseline metric right now? Yeah. Okay. So number one thing would be figure out if Will Levis is the guy. I think that's the number one thing, whether that means, you know, I, I think, I think that one statement is basically what you can use to just encompass the whole year, figure out if he's the guy. Okay. Does that mean like figuring out he's the guy by winning the division? Does that mean figuring out he's the guy or figuring out that he's not the guy because we stink. And then we have a high draft pick and we get a quarterback. Like I think you can figure out, I mean, I, is it crazy for me to say you can figure out if he's the guy after one year? I guess if we're, if he's that bad, you would know that he's not the guy to where you could get a quarterback. But at least like maybe you could see some stuff from him that, you know, we don't win the division, but we still make the playoffs. So you at least build some momentum and, you know, try and build, you know, build the roster even more for another year, give the coaches more of a uh, year under their belts and, be ready to go year two. So I, I think that's ultimately my um, my expectation, my goal for it. And I think from what I saw and what I'm at least hoping, I think we could potentially be in the, by the end of the year, be in the playoff hunt. That's, that's what I'm going to go with. Figure out if Will Levis is the guy by the end of the year thinking you're in the playoff hunt. Yeah, I would agree that I want to see – I'm not record-focused um, and I'm not division-focused next year. I really want to see Will Levis progress, get better, and I want to see if Will Levis is the answer. And I want them to – I want the team to, to, to really and with the new staff be able to to shine a spotlight on onto that. I do uh, win loss. I, I do expect a winning season. I don't expect a vastly winning season, but at least a nine and eight season because our schedule is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And we, even with you know everything falling off the rails this year, we were still a six wing team. I don't think there's this massive dysfunction that a lot of people are saying the roster is. I think it's totally fixable to be to be winnable. Um, the thing that worries me the most is that our division rival, the Texans, have a head head start on us, and I'm going to flat out say it: they're better than us. They yeah. went from being the worst roster in the league last year to absolutely destroying their draft by getting Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, and they have all the pieces in place to tank Dell. The, they had the, tank Dell too in that draft. Yeah. I mean, across the board, they've got their left tackle in place. They've got their premier pass rusher. They have their premier quarterback and Stingley. They have all of the the, and they're just going to keep getting better. The thing that's going to help us in that is that in these seasons, and and dare I say it, it's almost you know better in this next year to actually not rack up wins and losses because we still need elite talent. So. Mm-hmm. Where you where that divide happens is when you start picking higher in the draft and they start picking lower in the draft and you can <laughs> yeah exactly these elite pieces you know, but I I I have the realistic expectations that the Texans are going to become our biggest problem in the AFC and 
The Bills are going to get weaker. The Chiefs are going to get weaker. The Ravens are probably going to stay pretty close, but they are losing two key pieces on defense, most likely. Um, I think it's really going to be the Texans AFC over these in, in the same window that we're in. So that's going to be our, our big thing. So my expectations are all around the multi-year process of how we can overtake them and how we can gain control back in the division. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I, I like I like a lot of that. Um, but I will say with both of our statements just now, it is February 1st. Our expectation for the season is subject to change. So we could be feeling worse come season time. We could be feeling better, which knowing me, and how sometimes I can be a little more of a, you know, positive Titans fan. Well, maybe just more optimistic, even though I was not optimistic a couple weeks ago. I could see that my expectation for the season getting, you know, a little higher. So who knows? I don't know. I'm just saying it's subject to change. But yeah. well, that's why we're going to do this multiple times. But here we are in February. Exactly. This is this is where our expectation is. And whatever happens we'll pick the sound clips that fit the most with the year. And we'll just go with those. That's the beauty. You know, we'll just change our opinions and pick the one that makes the most sense. Um, but no, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, you know, glad we were able to talk about Brian Callahan and the exciting times coming up, um, or at least just like exciting potential coming up. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, the Ranahan era, is uh it's alive and well it's it's you know it's moving and um i said a year ago i think it actually was when you were on a year ago i said i hope in a few years we don't look back and think man he really ran that thing into the ground after a year we'll see i don't know i just wanted to bring that back up and circulate that back but um yeah michael i appreciate you coming on uh, I think um, we're happy about Brian Callahan overall and the Ranahan era. We'll see if we end up liking Callie as the the name, but um, that's all. That's all I've got. So uh, for Primetime Titans, I'm JG. I'm MB, <laughs> and we thank y'all. Just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head and cry